0: this is the mg car club podcast this week a lifetime selling mg's with john newey from summit garage the mg car club podcast hello and welcome to another mg car club podcast episode 67 in fact i'm wayne scott hope you're well and nice to be with you for another week got a brilliant interview coming up with a guy who spent his entire career working for the family business selling mgs we're talking to john newey from summit garage in dudley a uh, very very nice insight into how the car market has changed over the last 40 odd years so that's all to come on the week that we are building up to the ninth of october which is of course our next big event the mg social at the british motor museum gaydon and after its success last year in 2020 it was the event that we all managed to do basically Uh, it was the event that managed to just fall between two lockdowns it was the only moment last year we managed to all get out and get together well we thought we'd bring it back for 2021 last year we had nearly 200 mgs representing all eras of the mark And they came along to celebrate, of course, 90 years of the MG Car Club. So hopefully we can do even better this year. It's a very informal day. It's a really relaxed day. And just as the name suggests, it's a sociable day. So get your tickets now to the MG Social taking place on the 9th of October, 10 till 4 And you can get the tickets now from the British Motor Museum website. All you have to do is go on the What's On button there and go to the 9th of October and you can buy your tickets directly through there. That website, britishmotormuseum.co.uk. And also, talking of MG social, exciting news, because if you really enjoyed the auto solo that we ran on the Saturday afternoon and the Sunday at the Triumph and MG weekend at Malvern, and there was a lot of fun had, this was kind of like the introductory Uh, auto solo to the big auto test of course the california cup that was fought out on the saturday morning of that event this is more of an introductory taster session uh, nonetheless competitive for it though but an opportunity for everyone who has a clubman's license to have a go give it a try as part of the MG social event on the 9th of October at the British Motor Museum at Gaydon. It's all run on a smooth tarmac surface and it's designed to encourage those perhaps new to auto solos to have a go at this affordable form of motorsport for the very first time. It's open to any MG Car Club member in any MG and you don't need any experience whatsoever in order to take part. The tests are going to be in a forwards direction only So there's no stop, start, or reversing. And there'll be a flying finish before a final stop or stride line where you have to stop and collect a marked time card. Uh, You'll be given three runs at each test with the fastest of two runs to count towards the results. And the emphasis of this is on driver skill rather than memory and outright speed. And uh, drivers can actually elect to carry a navigator as well if they fancy it the course layout is going to be a combination of numbered gates slaloms and easy turns and it's designed to suit all mg cars you can go onto the mg car club website now and enter just go to the news pages and you can find all of the regulations to download there and the entry forms as well and of course they were included in the weekly mg car club newsletter this week as well also, online on the MG Car Club news pages, there was a really amazing lineup of X Power SVs at Hampton Court Palace Concours d'Elegance earlier this month. They looked amazing. We've got some amazing photos. Check them out mgcc.co.uk on the news pages there. Colin Withers has written up a fantastic report of just how much fun they had mixing it with the Exotica. And you can see all the pictures up there now. And also, of course, if you fancy doing a bit of shopping, we've still got some new gifts to unveil for you in the MG Car Club shop. And the first one is a book. It's been out a couple of years now. It was written by a good friend of mine, actually, John Nickus. He used to work for Moss in america and john is a well-accomplished author now uh, has done a few tv gigs over there in america Uh, this book is called rule britannia it basically charts the difference that british sports cars made to the export market post second world war and how basically they saved the country from bankruptcy it's a brilliant book Brilliantly written, and the photography by Michael Furman in there is outstanding as well. Uh, you can find it by searching very easily on the MG Car Club shop for the book *Rule Britannia*, and that will come up there. The website address, of course, is shop.mgcc dot and it's just a place to go for gifts as well if someone's got a birthday coming up and you're not quite sure what to get them we've got the mg rucksack up there which is uh, really handy practical useful especially now events have started up again and we've got some lovely and i mean lovely i've I've tried them i've sampled them i've given them a go you know all in the interests of research and uh, we've got some lovely shortbread biscuits as well and they come in this amazing tin which shows the mg car company at the end of cemetery road is a period photo of the factory so once you've eaten the biscuits and enjoyed them that's a lovely keepsake as well uh, that uh, is longer lasting than those biscuits and they're nice so they're not going to last long trust me that's all at shop.mgcc.co.uk our interview with john newey from summit garage in dudley is next the mg car club podcast the mg car club the mark of friendship to take advantage of our many membership benefits access to our centers and registers and to receive your copy of safety fast magazine join us now at mgcc.go.uk. sharing your passion for mg on the mg car club podcast on this week's mg car club podcast we're heading to the black country and to a mg dealership that has been dealing with the brand for many many decades we'll find out just how long in just a moment because we're joined from summit garage by john newey hi john
1: welcome to the podcast Hello, Wayne, and thank you for having
0: me on. Ah, it's a great pleasure to to learn about Summit Garage, and and I, I am right in saying that you've been there well from very very early days of the MG brand. In fact, uh, you started on the very last year of the Second World War.
1: Yes, uh, so my grandfather and grandmother, um, Robert New and his wife Olive, uh, bought Summit Garage in October of 1945. So right at the end of the Second World War. Um, initially, they ran a small haulage business and then went into lorry and coach bodybuilding uh, before then starting to sell used cars and then the Austin franchise in 1957. And then, of course, over the many years after that, along with it, Austin, Morris, Rover, Triumph and of course MG.
0: It must have been a a really exciting time for them to have taken over a garage just at the point in time when the UK economy was starting to get going and people were getting out on the roads again and probably what they didn't know when they started that garage in 1945 was that the golden era of motoring was ahead of them, a phenomenal time to start wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yes, I'm sure. And I think you're right. I don't think they would have imagined that things would have boomed perhaps in the way that they did during the 50s and the 60s. And uh, certainly I think, um, you know, they were able to expand the business and to to do quite well through those years. Um, but always, you know, sort of being true to the Austin Morris, the, the British Leyland brand, if you like, and of course, MG along with that.
0: Mm, and of course uh, you are still selling mg's today one of the uh, probably highest profile mg dealerships that we see uh, within the mg car club community and we'll talk about the current range of mg's in a moment but um it's a remarkable thing these days to have a dealership of your size that is still family run so how have you managed to stay family run and not get swallowed up into some national chain
1: Oh, okay. Um, it's not an easy one to answer. We, we've always been independent. So we've always stayed on the same site itself. And I think that um, with MG Rover's demise in 2005, uh, we carried on as an independent MG Rover specialist. And then when MG relaunched in 2008, we felt that it was right for us to take the new MG franchise on. And of course, at that time, uh, sales and uh, model range was quite small. And so it suited them to have you know, a smaller family business like ourselves. But in more recent times, um, we've had the challenge where we've just recently spent quite a lot of money on our premises doing a full refurb to change what was our fairly small three-stroke four-car showroom into what now is a very much modern industrial-looking nine-car showroom, which we've literally just completed. Uh, but I think a part of that is that we feel that the MG brand is really going places and that it's something that we, you know, would like to be a part of.
0: Well you started the business or started with the business in 1980 didn't you and you must have seen some huge changes throughout your career. What do you think have been the main changes that have changed the face of the car industry in that time as you look back?
1: When I first started in 1980 to try and put some context into it I can remember one of my first jobs was that we got a, a police order for 110 Bermuda Blue Allegros and I had to make sure the right number plates went on the right car. And the reason I mentioned that is, of course, at that time, um, the UK motoring public generally was a public that was buying saloon type cars. And of course, sports cars with things like MGB and MG Midgets. things have changed a lot where car manufacturers have realized over many years that what a lot of people now want from their car is the practicalities, that being able to load the boot, fold the seats, Uh, get numerous amounts of people into it and that's I think why things have moved uh, across into SUVs and I know that's not everybody's cup of tea but that's I think why we've seen car manufacturers that have never maybe even looked at something like an SUV in the past and yet they're now going do you know what that is the sort of car we need to build because it's what it's what sells and of course MG are in that sort of uh, bracket too.
0: Well, when you've got the lights of Lamborghini, Bentley, Rolls-Royce, Jaguar, all making SUVs, you know that there's got to be uh, one in every mark, really. That's where the market is obviously going. Yes, of course, yeah. And how do you think the customers have changed and customer behavior has changed in that time? Certainly, we've seen the rise in sort of PCP sales or finance or lease uh, sales. Do you do you think that there are a lot less people outright buying cars these days than there were?
1: Yes I think that um, the PCP, I mean I actually was one of the very first people to sell a PCP in the UK back in uh, July of 1986 would you believe uh, with Austin's what they call carefree motoring um, but things have changed quite a lot since then and I think there's um, a lot more people today Uh, have a monthly budget, uh, and that's the monthly budget to do everything with. Um, So your traditional cash buyer isn't probably as commonplace as maybe it used to be. And, of course, when you look at a PCP with a, a deposit, payments per month, and then the option to either buy the car or give it back or to part exchanges at the end, what it means, it makes the payments a bit lower for the customer and, of course, then makes it an attractive sort of way to look at purchasing a new car rather than maybe looking at a used one.
0: Very rarely do you see the list price of a car quoted. It's always like a monthly cost, and, and that's changed just in marketing alone, hasn't it?
1: That, that is true, and I think that generally is um, probably, I guess we're getting on for 70% plus of people now today are in that bracket where they're looking at some type of finance package, and particularly um, it's what's it going to cost a month. That is the key question that people want the answer to.
0: Well, I know also, apart from the fact that you're obviously a very successful uh, garage and and successful dealership, you are successful because I suspect you are all MG fans. And and you particularly, I know, are very passionate about your MGs. So talking personally, John, what MGs have you owned and and what have been your favourites over the years?
1: Okay, um, well, I started off where back in the um, 1980s, when I first started to drive, and I'm going to be sort of truthful now, and it might not uh, sit well with a lot of the MG fans out there, but I actually wanted a Triumph TR6, um, and it didn't quite happen. And by a fluke of nature, instead, I ended up buying an MGB Roadster, a 1973 L Reg, which was probably about um, 11, 12 years old at the time. And I sort of fell in love myself with the, if you like, the MG brand. And since then, I've had a couple of MG Metros, uh, more recently, what I've got now out there in my garage is I've got um, a '93 MGR V8, I've got a 2004 MGX Power SVR, and a very late registered 2006 MG ZT 260 with a supercharger on it. So, if you ask me to pick which is my favourite, well, I still think the RV8 is the, the sweetest running of all the cars that I've had. But the SVR is the one that I tend to like to go to probably more than the others.
0: <laughs> I don't blame you. And uh, like, good to see that you've uh, made sure that you haven't had all of the powerful versions of every MG range there. Yeah. I mean, those ZT260s, they're just awesome beasts, aren't they, really?
1: Oh, yes, certainly. I think uh, that dates back to the mid-80s when I first heard the sound of that Rover SD1 V8 and thought, Do you know what, one day I think I'd love to own a V8. and i think i've now gone a little bit mad and i've got three of them but you know there we go well
0: tell us about the x power svr because that is a car that very few of us will ever get a chance to own it's very few of us will ever get a chance to experience so what is it like to open up your garage in the morning roll that out and and use it and live with it i mean what is life with an x power svr like john
1: Okay, well, I, I've owned my car since 2008, so the, the car I've got is um, the car that was uh, out on loan to Rowan Atkinson um, by MG Sport and & Racing, and he used it for Evo magazine in the uh, early part of 2005. Of course, sadly, MG Rover went into administration, and the car was returned. I bought it from the administrators in 2008, and it was a car I'd always... Loved the idea that I might one day own, but never thought that realistically I would perhaps afford one, Um, you know, with prices of 65,000 as a starting point on the SV, it's you know, out of most people's pockets. Um, I've had it um, in that time. I've never actually, touching wood now, I've never had a breakdown. Um, It's had its regular routine servicing. Um, I've had to put two batteries on it. Uh, and three outside door handles, which, uh, apart from that, the car has been really reliable. We've been to various events. Um, only last weekend, we were at Hampton Court Palace for Concours of Elegance. I've been to various of the MG European events of the years, one in Denmark and one in Sweden, both in the SVR, and really enjoyed it. Um, it's got little quirks and things that you think, I wish they could do this or I wish they could have done that, but generally, it's a car I've always really liked
0: and it's an interesting one isn't it because you looking back now knowing how mg rover ended up knowing the struggles and the obvious financial pressure they were under at the time to go out and buy cuvali mangusta as they did and also to create a car that really is the embodiment of a global marketplace i mean it was built in italy with bits from canada finished at longbridge i mean it toured around the world to get (laughs) built that car didn't it it's an amazing thing that it even exists at all
1: yes certainly i mean they did refer to it as a thousand mile production line and you can sort of see why with the different countries you mentioned there but um i think a lot of people maybe misunderstand the sv i mean my view is different to perhaps a lot i think a lot of people think it was a whim that they maybe shouldn't have completed or gone through with yet the way i see it is uh, mg rover at the time they didn't have the 30 30- to £40 million it would have cost to develop new products and so the only way that they could continue was to actually build cars like this to maybe attract a buyer for the brand and I think um, okay we didn't actually end up with a buyer at that time because of various other outside influences but it was well on the way to that happening
0: well it was unveiled at the motor show in 2001 i remember it well as the mgx 80 uh, of course the peter stevens design and i remember that the Motoring Press at the time sort of were a bit ambivalent towards it. They thought it was a bit dull and boring. So away they went back to the drawing board and it returned a couple of years later and went into production in 2003. And no one could say it was a shrinking violet when it returned. It is one of the most radically styled MGs of any period, isn't it?
1: Uh, Yes, I believe so. I think the fact as well that it was carbon fibre bodied and um it is sort of quite wild looking with the flared arches and the side gills and rear spoiler on it it's uh, something a bit different to say the least i wonder
0: knowing mgs as you do and working around the brand for so long do you look back at any of the sort of really old classics i'm talking mgas and before and, and have any interest or or sort of excitement about any of those really early models in the range and if you had to have one which one would you have
1: uh, well, I've got a, a, an easy, obvious choice, um, always been a little bit ambitious with things like this. So I'd want a, an early 1930s MGK3 Magnet. It has to be the one for me
0: excellent well i think you'd have to sell a few houses probably to get one i think you are probably actually
1: right
0: but there we go but yeah a beautiful beautiful example of mg from the 1930s very rare now and thus very valuable but uh yeah why is it the motorsport prowess of that car what's that Uh,
1: particularly i think personally i think there's a sort of if you like connection with the mg x-power sv um unfortunately because of mg Rover's demise the MG SVR didn't really get the chance to race in the way they hoped it would. But I think the intention was to have a one-make race series. And uh, very much uh, like the K3 Magnet in 33, where they went to the Milimedia and uh, drove there, won, drove back. Um, I think the MG SV gives that sort of feel, you know, it's a, it's that modern day fast car that's uh, built for the track but will drive on the road talking
0: of the 1930s there's an easy link back to the sort of cars that you have in the showroom now and and this is my theory john see if you go along with this see if you agree my theory is that mg are at a point in history now where they're almost repeating history they're repeating their own history and what they achieved in the 1930s and that was to create small affordable sports cars that for the first time allowed normal people on normal salaries living normal lives and they weren't from royal blood the opportunity to own and enjoy a sports car and even to compete in motorsport something that was not accessible to the average man on the street uh, before the likes of mg came along if you transpose that into today we've seen the likes of tesla the jaguar ipace launch the bmw i series all really exciting electric vehicles but all completely out of the reach of the average motorist but here comes mg they are probably one of the only manufacturers in the uk undergoing any kind of growth at the moment and i suspect the reason is because just like in the 1930s and what they did with democratizing the sports car they're also now doing with electric vehicles creating proper normal cars that normal people can afford to buy and actually want to buy because they offer what people need like suvs like the new mg5 estate of car would you go along with that theory
1: yeah, I've always felt that uh, if you look at MG, I think uh, the the idea of what they've offered throughout the decades has been that affordable car that's a bit of fun to drive and maybe a little bit different to the norm and the other cars that are out there. And I think still today, with that, what MG have got is certainly it's, it's probably the most affordable brand in the UK today, with you know great zero percent finance offers. Uh, with seven year warranty and with quite reasonable prices to buy in the first place. But I think also more than that, I drive MGs, modern MGs um, as everyday cars, and I really do like them. I really get out of my car quite proud that I've got that MG Octagon on the front and on the back and that I'm driving an MG. And I think that's something that MG gives you that not many other brands can actually sort of say, yeah, that's what our brand does for people.
0: Tell us about the sort of customers that are coming to buy MG's now and and tell us for you what the challenges have been entering the EV market. Who is walking through the showroom? What are they after? Do they understand MG? Do they know about the history? Is that what's drawing them in or are they completely new to the brand entirely?
1: I think what we've seen is uh, in the first few years of MG's relaunch in the UK – we were generally seeing, I think, uh, what you'd call MG enthusiasts, MG fans yeah. um, that were coming to look at the new MG6 or MG3 and uh, looking at making a purchase based on that. But I think what we've seen in more recent years since the launch of the MG ZS and then, of course, particularly now with the range of electric cars, so the MG ZS EV, the MG 5 EV and, of course, the MG HSPHEV, we've seen drivers that have perhaps not looked at MG before. Um, their drivers very often have of more unusual cars. Um, we've seen quite a few Lexus owners are coming to look at buying new MGs, and, and what they see is that it's a, a really good value for money proposition, um, and it's maybe a car they wouldn't have looked at before. Um, as MG still continues to grow, I think the the big thing that MG are ahead of the game with is their electrification with vehicles. Um, they're world leaders with it. They're i think at the moment i was told yesterday they're actually the number one producer of electric vehicles in the world um which is a fact i didn't know Um, but that's based on the brands they build across the world not just the mg brand but some of the other brands that they build and sell in in china and the rest of the world too
0: well of course we've just seen the news that they imported into the uk their biggest shipment of vehicles ever and quite a number of those were evs Uh, a large number of them were of course the mg5 which was an interesting car when i saw it launched because for most manufacturers they seem to have ditched the idea of estate cars and and gone purely down this suv route but obviously mg still think that there's a place for estate cars in the market
1: Yeah, I think MG recognised that there isn't currently another car manufacturer in the UK that sells an electric estate car. And so they felt that by bringing the MG5 EV to the UK, gave them an opportunity to maybe, um, you know, conquest sales of other brands because there are people out there that still want that type of vehicle. And interestingly, they've recently taken a large fleet order of 400 MG5 EVs, um, large building company that want them for their surveyors to be able to go out in. They can get all their kit in the back. And of course, with the standard uh, MG5 EV, they've got 214 miles of range. But with the newly launched long-range version, we've got 250 plus. And I know there's a taxi company up in Blackpool that have um, switched all their fleets. That they've had electric vehicles for some time. I think previously they were running Nissan Leafs, and they've just ordered a fleet of MG5s uh, too
0: have you ever experienced an excitement around the brand in your time since 1980 that there seems to be at the moment can you can you compare this to any other time in history with the mg brand
1: uh, well i guess i wasn't around to see some of the early days when it would have been quite exciting i guess when uh, mg were launching things like the uh, mg td and the tf back in the you know the 50s and things like that and looking at today yeah, it is a very exciting time for MG because what we're now starting to see is that as they're making inroads into the UK market and um, they reckon they're on target for selling 30,000 cars this year in the UK, which, um, you know, is a uh, massive growth again on last year's numbers and again makes them the uh, fastest growing car manufacturer still in the UK. But what we're starting to see is we're starting to see some potential concept designs that Okay, with all car manufacturers, you'll see this and you're never sure whether they'll launch to the market. But having recently seen MG Cyberster, well, it's a car that's already out there. And I think a lot of people would, you know, really wish that MG might make a car of that type um, so that we can have a a British MG sports car out there again.
0: Absolutely, Uh, we'd be very excited to come down to Dudley and see a Cyberster in your showroom window. (laughs) That would be a really exciting moment.
1: Yeah. sure
0: would question on evs i guess looking forward to the future exciting to see them flying off the shelves as it were so to speak as new cars what do you think the challenges? are there going to be any challenges how are you going to have to adapt to those evs when they come through in the second-hand car market what how are you uh, going to deal with that
1: well, I think um, it's already interesting to see because I mean, as a as a dealership, we've already got three electric vehicle charging points installed here, but we're due to have another three fitted soon as we've got the clearance from the local power company that where we can and where we can't fit them. But what we're starting to see is um the earliest MGZ SEVs are now coming up to two years old, and we are starting to see the odd one coming back in part exchange. Um, I think the good thing is because MG's 7 year warranty does cover the main battery on the car um, so a lot of people's fear about what happens if my battery fails is you know you haven't got to worry about that for 7 years minimum but I think we're already starting to see that there's a, a desire for the used MG electric vehicle products because compared to a lot of the rest of the marketplace it still looks like a really good value proposition.
0: Do you think they'll ever be classic cars of the future John?
1: You know what, well, I think it's it's something that's really hard to imagine sitting in today's society, but I guess if we try and move our heads forward to 50 years' time, when um, we look at today something like a, a K3 Magnet or a MGTF of the 50s as a an old classic car, and maybe in 50, 60 years' time they'll look back to an MGZSEV and say, so, of course, they used to drive cars like this in those days. Who knows, maybe by then we'll be gliding in the air and, and not on the roads at all, but How can we
0: say? Well, let's just hope that there's enough enthusiasm around the motor vehicle, whatever it's being powered by, and enough enthusiasm around the MG brand to make those cars of today into the enthusiast cars of tomorrow, because that will mean that we will have a great and strong and new community to enjoy for many many years to come so uh, John it's been great to talk to you and learn more about the history of Summit Garage and some of the cars that you own if we want to come and see you and do a deal on one of their new MGs how do we get in touch
1: well that's no problem at all you can either contact us um, through our um, email which is um, sales at summitgarage.co.uk or a lot of people prefer to talk to us over the telephone and it's 01384 259 555 and then option one for sales or if anybody fancies coming up for a visit we've got lovely coffee our showroom's just been refurbished and it looks well i'm really pleased with this i think it looks great
0: go and check out the new showroom everyone those links will be on the podcast description part of the podcast page at mgpodcast.uk as well so you can follow through the links to the summit garage website from there and find those details if you missed them or of course just rewind that's the great thing about podcasts really easy Uh, and the great thing about podcasts of course is that we get to talk to people like you john so thanks so much for coming on and joining us and for sharing the story of summit garage
1: Well, thank you, Wayne. It's been a pleasure to be on here with
0: you. Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at mgpodcast.uk.